morning, Goldendale, and hello to all of my fellow liberty-loving Americans all across the fruited plains from sea to shining sea. This is the host who loves you the most, Luke Thrupier, on another terrific Tuesday, friends. Torch Report 357, The Woke Mind Virus. It's out there. You've seen it. The symptoms are unmistakable, friends. But let me just say this. We need to beware of the Borg. These people who are infected with this woke mind virus, they mean business and they mean to assimilate us all. Did you ever uh, did you ever watch Star Trek? Remember the Borg, you know, they had, uh, like the uh, cyborg guys with the eyes and all uh, the machine eye and stuff. Anyway, they were cyborgs who went around injecting people with nanoprobes to forcibly assimilate them into the collective. I put a little screenshot here. I've got a, actually a lot of visuals in today's uh, podcast. Friends, if you're listening on a podcast platform, uh, iHeart, Spotify, whatever, uh, iTunes, just know you simply have to go to the Torture report.com the torch report.com and I get all the goodies here you'll see where I have highlighted a few lines out of the first paragraph in the Wikipedia article on the Borg it says the Borg are cybernetic organisms linked in a hive mind called the collective the Borg co-opt the technology and knowledge of other alien species just like the commies uh, to the collective through the process of assimilation forcibly transforming individual beings into drones by injecting nanoprobes into their bodies and surgically augmenting them with cybernetic components. The Borg's ultimate goal is achieving perfection. Now, the parallels between the Borg and the Kami Cabal, the progressive movement, are astounding. You see, the the Borg are cybernetic organisms. They're cyborgs, you know, and that's the equivalent of the modern transhumanist movement. As reported in Torch Report 348, the singularity and digital gods, there are already plenty of augmented humans out there, which is the exact definition of a cyborg. They're out there walking amongst us, among us already, friends. Uh, Many people are already pursuing this infinite potential of human enhancement via these biotech augmentations, getting chips in their hands, et cetera, et cetera. Transhumanists are already lining up for their technological baptism. And at some point, these upgraded humans will become the norm. And once they are in the majority, these transhumans, these you know upgraded human beings are going to have all the power they need to rule the world and become like gods or so they think or so they think friends don't don't underestimate do not you know don't underestimate for a second the drive and the determination of those who are hell-bent on total global domination don't think for a second that these people are not serious about building their digital gods. Uh, and there should be no doubt whatsoever that there will be people who worship these digital gods. Human history has proven over and over that people will believe and worship just about anything. And this you know, current 21st century twist is only going to be all the more enticing. It's going to be so alluring people are going to desire it they want this augmentation this this enhanced capacity who wouldn't want to be like einstein or michael jordan or whatever you you see what i'm saying people want it and that said 
there's something more disturbing about the Borg that I want to bring into the conversation, which is specifically the nanoprobes and the biotech they used for assimilation. The words resistance is futile ring in my ears because nanoprobes and biotech, you know, don't nanotope, uh, nano, nanoprobes and biotech, don't they have the potential to present an inescapable threat? Right. If they just, uh, you know, went blasting nanoprobes out everywhere. Well, how are you going to escape that? By the very nature of not being able to see these nano devices, the augmentation could be delivered without notice, could it not? Friends, considering this this morning really stimulated my curiosity, and I hope to stimulate yours as well, because this is this is something that really is going to affect the future of humanity in major ways. But I was clicking on the link on the nanoprobe uh, in Wiki- Wikipedia there to see where what, you know, how do they define a nanoprobe? Is there any science around that? Well, it linked to an article on molecular machines. And I was reading this article about molecular machines, and uh, this little paragraph caught my attention here. In 2016, the Nobel Prize in Chemistry was awarded to Jean-Pierre Sauvage and Sir Fraser Stoddart and Bernard Feringa. Feringa. Uh, these folks, Brilliant chemists getting the Nobel Prize in Chemistry in 2016, so over six years ago. They received the Nobel Prize for the design and synthesis of molecular machines. Period. End quote. (laughs) Mic drop. You know, uh, what? What is this? This uh, design and synthesis of molecular machines. You know, six years ago, the Nobel Prize in Chemistry was awarded for the design and synthesis of molecular machines. What does that mean? And it turns out that they've been working on these uh, molecular machines, these uh, nanobots. Okay, that molecular machines. There's an official term for a nanoprobe is what I'm trying to say. The Borg use nanoprobes. The scientists use it. They call it artificial molecular machines, AMMs. And there are lots of different types of AMMs, of molecular machines, of nanobots. And these nanobots, which are the equivalent of nanoprobes that, that were used by the Borg, they were they were uh, they had working examples of these nanobots out in the early 1990s. Whoa! You think about they were cloning sheep by the late 90s, okay? But there's been an explosion of investment into these nano machines and this nanotech, and it's it's fueled some phenomenal innovation. I mean, they can do so much really cool stuff at this microscopic, teeny tiny nano level. Um, and at this point, just a cursory review of what's out there, friends, just to kind of give you a flavor of what the scientists have managed to build with these artificial molecular machines, a.k.a. nanobots, okay? They are capable of uh, molecular balance, making molecular hinges, molecular logic gate, molecular motors, molecular propellers, molecular shutters, molecular switches, molecular tweezers, (laughs) molecular tweezers, and single molecule vehicles, which are also known as nanobots. And... I'm sorry, not not, not nanobots, nanocars. You think NASCAR, they're thinking nanocar, okay? 
this is a very impressive list of, you know, things that they can do with these nanobots. Is it not? It's quite the arsenal. You know, you think about what a robotics engineer could do with hinges, motors, switches, and a nifty pair of tweezers. And you can see that the sky is the limit here with this nanotechnology, literatively, uh, literally and figuratively. Uh, keep that in mind, friends, that, we're, you know, we're talking about nanoscale stuff here. Okay, and where my head is at with the literally and figuratively, you think about they can, you know, uh, the molecules into the atmosphere to block the sun. Okay, well, how about, you know, nanobots into the atmosphere to, I don't know, you know, take out all the CO2 or something stupid like that. Okay, we're talking about stuff that's so microscopic, so small, it has, they, they already have used this super nanoscale stuff to, to prove the capacity to function like a full-size machine and to kind of wrap our heads around just how, but these, these full size, these fully functional machines are the size, uh, you know, we can't see imperceptible, right. Uh, to kind of help wrap our heads around how small the nanoscale is friends. I did put a screenshot in from the national nanotechnology initiative.gov website. And it says the size of a nanoscale is about, uh, well, let me just read the whole thing here. Okay. Just how small is nano? Says the National Nanotechnology Initiative website, the International Systems of Units prefix nano means one billionth or 10 to the negative ninth power. Okay, nano means one billionth of a meter. It's difficult to imagine just how small that is. So here are some examples. A sheet of paper is about 100,000 nanometers thick. Wow. Okay. You know, a strand of human DNA is 2.5 nanometers in diameter. And that means the nanoscale is smaller than human DNA, which is much smaller than a human cell. Okay. We'll get into the implications of that here a little bit later. There are over 25 million. I'm sorry, not over. It's exact. This is mathematics here. Uh, there are exactly 25 million 25,400,000 nanometers in one inch. Okay, human hair is approximately uh, 100,000 nanometers wide, like a, like a sheet of paper. Uh, on and on. They got all this stuff. They say uh, if a marble was one nanometer, then the earth would be about one meter. So you think a marble to the earth, that's, you know, a nanometer is about as long as your fingernail grows in one second. All right. It's not a very much amount, but what they can pack into this uh, nanometer and this nanoscale are all these molecular motors and propellers and switches and shuttles and molecular tweezers. Now, that scientists can actually manipulate and assemble machines at that scale is utterly mind-boggling. <laughs> is it not? You know, But let's not get lost in the details here, friends. I think it's really cool that there uh, was an international nanocar race back in 2017. But I'm even more interested in the race toward using this technology and other more onerous ways. Friends, I've discussed the capacity of convergence. Uh, I've discussed the convergence of capacity and intent in the past. You know, what, when, what happens when radical environmental fanatics who want to depopulate the earth get their hands on this technology, for example? You know, the convergence of capacity and intent. In prior reports, you know, I've dug into that, but I, I, so I thought about this. What happens, you know, if they get their hands on this stuff? But I, I couldn't, 
I couldn't tell you how shocked I was to see this little uh, excerpt here, friends. Science Direct. I was looking through at the science in this. I wanted to understand what was going on, and I wasn't. I was. I was not prepared to see what right at the top of the page of ScienceDirect.com. Nanobots. Okay, nanobots, and I just screenshot right here from the website, just you know, because they changed the top of the page, right? But I wanted you to see this. Okay, it says nanobots, special sensor nanobots, special sensor nanobots can be inserted into the blood under the skin, where microchips coated with human molecules and designed to emit an electrical impulse signal monitor sugar levels in the blood. Okay. That's fascinating, okay? But that article comes from Emerging Nanotechnologies and Dentistry 2012. So over 10 years ago, they figured out how to insert special sensor nanobots that were designed to emit an electrical impulse into our blood. Why, oh, why are they doing this? You know, of course, it's to monitor blood sugar. You know, oh, got it. That sounds nice. You know, they're 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 figuring out how to insert special sensor nanobots and that emit an electrical pulse. And I'm sure they would never use that information to do anything nefarious. They would never use it to monitor and manipulate our mood and emotion and mental state, for example, or any of the other infinite potentials of this phenomenal technologies, such as the smart vaccines that they have designed to deliver digital immunity. Friends, I am not making these words up. I I mean, I can't, it just, it's mind boggling to me how far they've come. And I mean, and, and just being none the wiser, you know, I'm just an ignorant peasant. I don't know this stuff. Did you know all of this stuff? You know, but what is this, this smart vaccine? Okay, what, what, what are they talking about? These nanobots injecting into our blood and emitting electrical impulses. <laughs> you know, so what is the smart vaccine? And there was an, uh, an interesting paper titled The Miraculous Anatomy of the Digital Immune Ecosystem, the Digital Immunity Ecosystem. And it explains the smart vaccine like thus, quote, Nanobot engineering is defined as the engineering of smart functional systems at the molecular scale. The smart vaccine is an intelligent nanobot programmable to do a specific function in digital immunity. As it is scaled at the molecular level, it can be a component of a chip. It can roam through computer cables. It can reside on storage devices and it can communicate with other smart vaccines. This is why it is called the smart Vaccines. Pause. Friends, this is interface of technology that's in us and outside of us. Okay. Just really wrap the head around that. Continuing on. It is the counterpart of the B cells or the T cells in the human immune system. We can also compare it, the smart vaccine, to the neurons that transfer sensory and motor signals to and from the brain. Does. <laughs> what? Is everybody okay with this but me? Doesn't that mean that they can use smart vaccines to, you know, interface with the brain? Hello. You know what else, friends? I got to tell you what. This is this stuff is crazy. Truth is stranger than fiction. But this is all part of quote storing digital binary data in cellular DNA, which has been dubbed by the quack scientist as a new paradigm. Okay, storing digital binary data in cellular DNA, the new paradigm. This is the digital 
Immunity Ecosystem, the acronym for which I kid you not is DIE, D-I-E. What do the radical eugenicists and you know radical environmentalists want to do? Depopulate the earth. They want us to die. Now they're storing digital binary data, data in our cells and our DNA with nanobots that can reprogram and interface with our brain. Holy shnikes. This takes human augmentation to a whole new level. These scientists claim that this new paradigm, you know, is an exact replication of the human immune system for the digital world. And no doubt in my mind, friends, the transhumanist fanatics are going to be flocking to go get their digital inoculations. Fools! (laughs) Don't fall for it. Please don't fall for it. You know, oh, friends, it's not it's not that this is not powerful science. It's not that there aren't good ways to use it. It's not that there isn't some phenomenally, you know, phenomenal positive potential. Uh, There's all the ways they can use this for positive impact. I mean, who wouldn't want to have a digital immune system that could detect viral intruders and regulate your blood sugar and metabolism and hormones and more, you know, wouldn't such powerful and adaptive digital immunity stop preventable disease in its tracks? Wouldn't it keep us from getting sick? Wouldn't it boost our overall well-being in every imaginable way? Well, maybe. (laughs) Friends, it's possible. But then again, maybe not. You know, maybe these so-called smart vaccines are being programmed to genetically modify our DNA to reduce the character traits that lead people to rebelling against authority. For example, you know, the point is anything is possible. And, you know, most people remain completely unaware that this technology exists so that they have it and that they're using it. Most people don't realize that what they're using it for. Well, uh, what they say and what they're actually doing, those could be two different things. Could it not? Could they be lying through their teeth? Yes, they could. Friends. I mean, it's probably nothing, but so they use in the abstract on this science, on this article about the old uh, digital immunity ecosystem. It says this from the abstract. Uh, This chapter, we're going to discuss three major points, the structure of the digital immunity ecosystem, scenarios from the battlefield, how to predict an incoming attack, and on and on and on. Okay, And so, you know, they talk about autonomic self-regulation, causality, deep battle strategy, the smart vaccine. Okay, all right. Causality, deep battle strategy, you know, scenarios from the battlefield. It sounds like there's a war going on here. And when I was reading that, of course, my mind flashback, friends, to the fun vax video, the fundamentalist vaccination video where that guy was presenting a vaccine that could genetically modify the jihadis. Remember that? Uh, you know, could be used to reduce their urge to strap a bomb on their body and blow up innocent people in the name of God, for example. And the strategy that was being presented was to reduce the expression of the VMAT2, the God gene. Just going through it real quick here, friends. It was a detailed presentation talking about different delivery systems. And it was a, a video, time-stamped DOD video. I got a link there in the report today. Had a little back and forth. What are we going to do? Give our soldiers a needle and so they run out there and stab the, stab the jihadis with the fun vax, you know? The pres- Center says, no, with what we have in mind, that won't be necessary. And all of this led me, I see the time here, so I'm going to go a little bit quick to get to what I want to get to. But the the this all reminded me that all right, when I was getting into all that stuff with the DOD and the fun vax, it caused me to, you know, I dug into this, 
research on self-disseminating virally vectored vaccines. Okay, self-disseminating virally vectored vaccines. They've been using this technology for over 20 years to do things like immunize herds of wild rabbits and, you know, elk and this kind of stuff. At any rate, friends, I did uh, put a report in there available in the archives for Patriot Club members. But for now, just to quickly recap where we're at, okay, nanoscale artificial molecular machines are small enough to enter a human cell, even smaller than our DNA, which allows them to augment the immune system and establish digital immunity. We have that. Then we have scientists using virally vectored vaccinations to disseminate genetic modifications through dispersed populations, which means that they have the ability to biohack and genetically modify humanity in essentially the exact same way that the Borg did in Star Trek. Okay, you put it all together, friends. Do you recall what the Borg's ultimate objective was? The Borg's ultimate objective was nothing less than achieving perfection and achieving perfection, achieving diversity, equity, and inclusion. Achieving gender equality and environmental justice, achieving healthcare for all and clean air and water and sustainable patterns of production and consumption in the UN Sustainable Development Goals and Agenda 2030 and the Great Reset, all aim at achieving perfection as well. Achieving perfection is precisely what global digital governance and future Earth are intended to do. Friends, the only problem is that the global cabal has to control the whole of humanity to make that happen. And to control us, they must enslave us in our minds. That's the only way they can stave off a massive revolt and domesticate the masses, turn them into docile sheep. What better way to do it than with nanobots and self-disseminating virally vectored vaccines, friends? This is where the woke mind virus joins the fray, just like the Borg sought to assimilate any everyone into the collective, so too do the globalists seek to assimilate each of us, you and me and us all, into the great global collective. And when they control our minds, they control our behavior. But what they really want to do is claim your soul in the name of their own digital gods. Friends, they claim that resistance is futile, but I like to say resist we must. And that is the message of my heart for today. Friends, if you're enjoying this podcast, please take the time to find that little heart on the Subtech app or the website. Click that heart and give me some love. Subscribe if you have not subscribed already. And don't forget, the greatest honor of all is if you share this podcast with with everyone you know. Get out there and embrace this terrific Tuesday, friends, and I'll look forward to talking to you again soon.